Well, here we are again with another live episode of Free Basketball. I'm your host, one Mr. Ryan Meadows, and joined once again, as always, by Mr. Daniel Grizzly Greer. How are you, sir? I think I get a new nickname every single time, and I love it. That's that's the whole point of the fun. So, uh, Cody is not here with us tonight again. Um, maybe we won't spoil his news because he will be back here eventually. Uh, but he did get um, some interesting work news that I think he would like to share with y'all. So, I won't spoil it for him, but he's not here tonight. So, it's just me and Danny holding it down. Um, we, of course, are part of the Lead Sports Media. Uh, so thanks for joining us, or if you're not in the locker room, thanks for tuning in and listening to this episode. We're going to talk about a couple different things. We kind of want to do like a little round table of what's going on in the NBA because we've had a, it seems like everyone has come down with some sort of nagging injury or a season ending injury. So we kind of want to hit some topics about that, but a bulk of our time is going to be talking about the play-in tournament. Because I think this has fired Danny Wayne up more than anyone else to talk about the play-in. So uh, we'll we'll start with some stuff going around the NBA, but most of it's going to be talking about the play-in. So this should be a lot of fun. Let's get into it, Daniel. Obviously, I think the biggest news that we had was Jamal Murray towards ACL. And I was watching the game, and I texted you guys immediately when he went down and said that he just tore his ACL. Um, and the only reason I know that I'm not saying I'm special. I think a lot of people now kind of getting into my age has at least torn their ACL once. I would say a large majority of people have. And when you have, you can just recognize when someone does it as well, because you remember that feeling very specifically. It just hits you back in waves and it's a haunting kind of feeling. And when he did that, I immediately knew that's what it was. So when I text you, were you just, uh, was it shock or were you just depressed about it? What was your immediate reaction to the injury? Yeah, uh, well, the first thing I thought of was the Nuggets have no chance of having a special season. Uh, you got kind of the bubble Murray last year where he was just kind of going crazy. Uh, they kind of made it interesting in the bubble. This year, Jokic is playing MVP level. You have Murray that really hasn't found himself, but they've been playing well as of late. And then he goes down, and you know right away their season's over. It's not that they're not going to be that good. They Their ceiling is so much lower when they don't have him. And so you know that no matter how good Jokic could be, Aaron Gordon addition, uh, even Michael Porter Jr., it does not matter it really is just a a lower ceiling and they have no chance of winning a championship this year. So that sucks because they were having a really good year. Yeah. Well, it was very, very depressing. They're sitting in fourth right now. I mean, they've got a pretty safe cushion to stay in the playoff spot with what everybody having, you know, anywhere from 17 to 20 games left. Um, They have a, basically a four and a half game cushion from the team in seventh. So, They'll probably make the playoffs and not have to worry about the play-in, but it does kind of lead to an interesting who's going to play them in the first round because I don't want to say the Nuggets are completely dead because I feel like they can still win a first-round series because they do have the NBA MVP this year on their team. Um, The question, obviously, is 
like you said, is Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr. going to be those guys in the playoffs? And if it wasn't for Jamal Murray and Jokic, you know, it's not even – they're not even in either series. So without Murray in that two game that he has with Jokic, is Jokic going to really be able to shoulder the load by himself to advance them around? I think that's the kind of thing we're waiting on. Um, but the team that is kind of making a hot run right now, which is the L.A. Clippers – I believe they've won like eight straight or something like that. I know they're eight and two in their last ten, shooting the cover off the ball from three-point line. I, I only know that because I've been doing a little nerd thing, tracking everybody's kind of last five game three-point percentages, just kind of like a gambling angle for me. Uh, because it feels like, you know, this year, if you're just watching a team, the team that shoots better from three that night typically wins. So <laughs> if you shoot poorly, you typically lose this year. Um, And it feels like it's been even stronger that way this year than ever. Uh, So I've been tracking that. And that's why I know the Clippers are shooting the cover off the ball because they, I think they are the number one team in the league at shooting three point in three point percentage at 41%. But the past, it seems five or six games, they're shooting 50 plus or right near 50%. So are you a believer in them heading into these final 15 or so games heading into the playoffs, or do you think they're just playing really good basketball at the wrong time? Uh, It's not a wrong time ever to play really good basketball. I think they're playing good basketball and that's important in itself. Um, But I I do think that they'll come down to earth with their shooting percentages easily. Um, But they did go get Luke Kennard for a reason, right? (laughs) <laughs> yep, and he hasn't really been playing recently, I don't think. No, yeah, yeah, no, he hasn't been playing a lot. But, um, no, I, um, I I do believe that they'll come down. But I, I think you're seeing Paul George kind of bring, you know, come back to life. Uh, Pandemic P was a thing, um, and thankfully he is <laughs> long gone. Uh, I was on Paul George early this year, and I will stick with him. Uh, I, I do think that they are – probably the leading contenders to win the West right now in my eyes, because I think that uh, wow. there's so much uncertainty around uh, the Lakers. Um, as we know that, that the Utah jazz are possibly like the nineties Braves, or they're a really good regular season team. But when it comes down to uh playoff time, we really don't know a lot about them. It can ha- they can't have a special year, but realistically it just could be uh, a magical regular season. So, um, I, I would I would definitely put all stock I could, such as like I would into the Doge coin right now that's going to the moon. I would <laughs> I would put straight to the moon the Clippers. I I like it. I agree. I think the Clippers are in fact good. We always the big thing we had against them was they just didn't have a point guard who was you know could do a change of pace for them. Um, Reggie Jackson obviously wasn't the answer. The jury's still out if Rondo is that guy. I don't think he's a change of pace person, but I think his just savant level basketball mind um, kind of makes up for that change of pace. And they've been what seven and zero with him since the trade or something like that. Uh, yeah. So he is a better option than Reggie Jackson at point. I am kind of curious how that will look into the playoffs. But you know, I'm a big Rondo lover and defender, so. I'm excited about the Clippers. They've been killing me recently in my betting because I've been waiting for them to fall off, and they just haven't. 
Um, but I think it will continue. I mean, being number one all year at 41% isn't a fluke. Uh, being, you know, 50-something getting games in, that's not a fluke. Like, that's a decent enough sample size with that roster. And it's it still feels like, you know, Kawhi kind of sits every other game. It feels like Abaka hasn't been in there for a while. So you add those two guys in consistently during the playoffs, I'm a believer. I do think they are a front runner in the West right now, barring, you know, the injury health of LeBron and AD. But I, I think we could possibly get the Western Conference matchup that we were expecting last year with the Clippers and the Lakers. That seems very, very real to me. Um, so I, I think that's what we're going to get. But the final topic before we get to play attorney, this broke today that Zach Levine has been placed in health and safety protocols. He's going to be out a few games now. I know the Bulls aren't a super interesting team, but I think everyone kind of thought with, you know, bringing in Billy Donovan, change of head coach, um, that they were going to, you know, do better. Be, he was going to grow the younger players, and they were going to show out. And unfortunately, that just hasn't happened. Now, Levine's been having a crazy year, and he's been awesome. Adding Vucevic hasn't really done a whole lot for them yet. I've already seen people, you know, you can't blame this year on just getting Vooch. They don't have the players around them. And I'm like, who are they going to possibly put around them that makes sense? Um, but with the Bulls, I mean, they're sitting in the 10th spot right now. Only a game up from Toronto and the Wizards to stay in the 10th spot for the play-in. Would you say now with this for Levine, they're more than likely going to fall out of that play-in? Um. Possibly, but Toronto, I I think they're going the opposite direction. Um, I, I don't think Toronto is actually looking to win games anymore. I think they see the writing on the wall. They've uh, made some trades that make sense. I I think that they're such as tonight. I'm pretty sure they're they're resting Lowry um, in a game where it's just rest. It's not an injury. And so I think they're actually going the other way, and they're trying to get into the lottery more and more. Um, and if you look at uh, another team that I think could actually be a play-in a play-in team that you do not want to see, if you're either Miami or Charlotte, uh, and let alone Indiana, who's sitting there in the in the ninth spot, is Washington. The Wizards hmm. are playing well, uh, and they are uh, in the last ten. They're only four and six, but they're. I'm sorry. They're five and five. They're on a two-game win streak. Ru- Russell Westbrook is absolutely just playing really good basketball. He is averaging a double-double. Uh, I know in the last seven games, I bet on him to get a triple-double every single time, and he's got it every <laughs> single time. Like the odds are still plus odds. If you're wondering, like it's ridiculous. Like he's minus a thousand to get a double-double. So. Yeah, you'd have to put a thousand dollars to win a hundred just for him to get a double double. And I, last night it was a plus one forty five uh, of what of what he was. So they're almost expecting him to get a triple double because he's playing so well. And so um, you add John Wall uh, to the mix. I think they're a hard out. It's just it's tough to put them out uh, when it's just a one on one game. Uh, winner moves on. I think that's going to be a tough team to beat. Yeah, that's especially Bill coming back healthy. You know, he's had a lot of time to not just rest, but rehab. Uh, That is a scary kind of matchup. I mean, 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm an idiot. Bradley Beal, anyways. Uh, no, you're fine. Um, the, the, the other kind of interesting team that I don't think that will make it but is within striking distance is the Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, they're only two games out of 10th. It would be hard to see them jumping the Wizards barring some devastating injury that puts or some sort of COVID protocols that knocks one out of Russ or Beal again. Um, Cleveland's kind of interesting just hanging in there, even though they have a record of 20 and 34. Uh, It's pretty depressing. But talking about the play-in, let's get to it. This is what we wanted to spend the bulk of our time talking about, and that is the actual play-in tourney. Um, and I have to admit myself, I've been under the assumption all season that seven was going to play 10, eight was going to play nine. Um, and you brought it to my attention from the other day with, you know, Luka Doncic making comments and then Mark Cuban right behind him saying how it didn't make sense, you know, with the compressed schedule. And so I had to look at it myself and I was surprised to find out the actual rules. Did you know the rules the whole year and just continued to let me say it wrong? Uh, yeah, I've known the rules of the play in tournament. Um, I, I usually don't pay attention to you. So that might be half of the issue. <laughs> well, I've been saying matchups and stuff wrong all year and you hadn't said a single thing to me. So that's fun. Uh, but the actual play in rules, the seven and the eight seed play, the winner automatically gets the seventh seed. The loser plays whoever the winner of the nine and 10th seed are. Um, so does that, you said you had some complaints about that. What were some, what was your biggest complaint about it? Yeah. So my biggest complaint about the play in is if you are the seven, eight, you're playing supposedly you're playing a better team. So let's just use the matchups we already have because I don't want to try to move people in and out of the actual order. I want to use the order as is today. I, I'm not speaking on behalf of a, a certain team. Uh, obviously, I'm a Grizzlies fan, but uh, I don't want to just use them only. But if you're talking about Memphis and Dallas, you're having to play a game. So Memphis would have to play a game in Dallas. Let's say it's a Tuesday. And Dallas – should be a pre uh, it is a harder team, I would think, than Golden State and San Antonio has been the whole year. So you're having to play them, and then you have a rest day. And if you lose in Dallas, you go home and you host the next game. So let's play. You're you're playing on a Tuesday. Your next game's on a Thursday. Well, the winner of that game, of uh, the Golden State San Antonio game. Now is flying into your spot or, or your place. They had a rest day as well, so they're coming in. Uh, the same amount of rest as you are because they're having to travel just as you are. The only advantage you have of being in the eight seed, a regular season, more than likely on a normal year, except for last year, you are a playoff team. You're having to play an extra game. Yes, the advantage is at home, but there are no other advantage besides home court, and you host this other team who just won a game they're coming off of a win against a lesser of a team, more than likely, to play you. Where are the advantages for the teams that are in the, the seven and eight spots? Do you have any – does that seem fair to you? 
The only thing I would say to come back at that is you do have one shot to make the playoff automatically. Um, whereas 9-10, you know you have to play two games. You have to win two to get in. 7-8, like you still want to be in a 7-8 seed because you win that one game, you're automatically in. You don't even have to worry about it. And we just yeah. saw, you know, if this stays the same, last night, Mavericks and Grizz, the Grizzlies should have won that game. Um, right. So it's not like it's a bad matchup. It would probably be an awesome, fantastic game. But you just have to win one. So I feel like there is an advantage to being 7-8 initially. But if you lose, I do think that is interesting because what is the mental aspect of whichever team that is? Yes, you're coming back home, but no fans. It's not like you're going to have anybody giving right. you, you know, giving you, giving you that juice. Um, and you could be overthinking it because I, this is do or die. I just lost a, two nights ago. Now, uh, this is it. I have to win this game. So it is a kind of potential spot. To, if you lose that 7-8, um, you are pressing in that right. matchup against the winner of 9-10 because whoever's 9-10, there's no pressure, right? That is right. the other None. kind of thing. This might be considered not fair is there's no pressure at all. You walk in, you win the 9-10. Okay, well, I guess we'll just see what happens when we play whoever loses the eight or the 7-8. Um, so it, it's really no pressure on the nine ten at all, which might be an edge. It's all pressure on the seven eight. You just don't want to lose that game, I don't think. So, I, I yeah. let's project a little bit. Do you think the loser of the seven eight is not going to make the playoff because they'll lose that next game against the winner of nine ten just because of that mental edge? Yeah, I, I, I do think so. I, I think you'll see that, and you could see that in both conferences because if you look at a team such as um, Charlotte, um, if they lose against Miami, they have to then match up against Indi- Indiana, Chicago, Toronto, or Washington. I would probably take all four of those teams, uh, maybe not Toronto, but I think if they're there, they would probably just go ahead and go for it. But I would probably take them all up head-to-head, Regular season, if you put them in a game right now, I think you'd give the odds to one of those four teams over Charlotte. Um, and then on the other side, mm-hmm. you're talking about Memphis going against a team like either Golden State, who has Steph Curry, who just put up 125 points uh, in three quarters. Uh, not himself, but their team. <laughs> like, good God. Like, he could get hot. He's, he's playing so well right now. You know, that's very tough. Uh, but that's not night in, night out. This is a one-game tournament. It's sudden death. Uh, and then you're talking about potentially the Spurs. You have Popovich. You have New Orleans Pelicans who could be there. Uh, there's Zion effect. So I think that is – that's what I am kind of frustrated about. And I know that Mark Cuban came out and Luka Doncic both have kind of spoken about this issue. Is it, it, Now looking at that we're actually here – it doesn't make sense because you're not really getting rewarded uh, for having a better record in the regular season when in a sense, you know, there's not, I don't know, there's not as many advantages, but um, I'll speak on the only advantage that I could see that they could change to make it make more sense because you want to give an advantage to a seven, eight um, seed player or a team. Um, 
let's say you play Tuesday. And the reason I was talking about the days earlier is because I want to come back to that. Let's say you play the 7-8 game on Tuesday. Well, Wednesday, you play the 9-10 game. Well, they mm. have to turn around back-to-back and play the the last play-in team, who you know, sudden death, on Thursday. So there has to be travel. They're going on a back-to-back. That's your advantage. You have an extra 24 hours of travel and rest because of that actual day. They already do it now. They already do back-to-backs with travel. So what's the difference? You move that in and make that Mm. a part of the actual tournament, you will still have the same thing. You wouldn't have, you know, the games will be the exact same. I know people are upset about, you know, potentially too much. We're talking about the playoffs. So that's the only advantage I would like to see change because I think that actually makes sense because you do want to play harder to get that 7-8. Even though you're coming off a loss, you have an extra day of rest. That is super interesting because I would agree with you. If you're going to make, if you're going to reward the seven eight seed, it has to be something like that. And that may seem cruel, but that's the only way you're going to be able to actually create an advantage for wanting to stay in seven and eight, right? Besides just the fact of making the tournament by winning that one game, so. I don't want it to make it seem like we're trying to make an excuse for whoever the team that loses. Um, but I think we're trying to be practical about how they can actually improve the, improve this play into where it makes sense for those teams in seventh and eighth to keep fighting for that spot. Um, because the actual dates for it are May 18th through the 21st. That is a Tuesday through Friday. So, I don't know if we have the exact schedule out now, but I think we would both assume that both West teams will play on Tuesday, both East teams or whatever it is, those games will play on Wednesday, and then, you know, the West winners and losers will play Thursday, East winners and losers play Friday. The other interesting thing about it is the playoffs start the 22nd, the day after. So this play-in thing ends Saturday, and the first round of the actual playoffs start on a Saturday. So I, I assume they'll jockey that schedule to where both teams don't have to play to that Sunday, but you're potentially talking about a, whoever the loser of that eight, nine, if they happen to advance or if the nine, 10 wins and advances to a tournament, I mean, they're playing three games in six days. So right. obviously we don't think any of realistically a seven or eight or the nine or 10 is going to put up much of a fight anyways with the one or two seed um but i mean it's been a weird year the one and two seed in the west for example is the jazz and the suns like are the jazz potentially susceptible that's possible and we got 76ers nets who the nets have been healthy all together all year are they potentially susceptible to a seven seed who knows i mean i don't think that kind of upset would happen but i mean you're asking a lot for teams who are here here's what i'll say i'll kind of back this up a little bit is whoever's in this play-in is basically going to play three games in six days heading into the tournament so when you're talking about the actual tournament you know usually the one eight matchup the two seven isn't much of a series this really isn't going to be much of a series at all like i would you think both series would just be complete blowouts either way 
Yeah, I, yeah, I don't think it would matter. Um, but I do think that it does matter about matchups, though. Like, let's say you are a, you know, the, let's say they're Mavericks right now, and you feel and you feel really good uh, against, you know, Phoenix, uh, who, who would be their matchup, and you lose that first game. You played all year. You're a three game, uh, three games ahead of the eighth seed if it ended right now. So you are a supposedly a much better team, right? You are then you lose that first game because they're NBA players and all these guys are really really good. We just saw the Grizzlies should have beat the uh, the Mavericks, but if you looked at it and you asked everybody else, you would say the Mavericks are probably better than the Grizzlies realistically. Well, then now they're having to go play. Uh, another game, you know, in 48 hours, and they win that game, they have another quick turnaround, and they're now playing the number one seed because they are the eight seed because they lost that one game play-in tournament against the eight seed. So it's all confusing. Now they're in a, a matchup against a better team because they're going against the number one team. So that screws over, I feel like, the seven seed if they lose that first game because now they're, you know, playing an extra game. They're going against a tougher team, uh, realistically. Um, and so I, I just – I think it's – there's a lot of jockeying, and, and, I, and I, I don't say I love it. I do like the March Madness feel of it, but I don't really think it's needed. I, I think the NBA playoffs have enough in it to add this little, um, you know, stuff to it just to get Zion in the playoffs. I, it's not going to work again. <laughs> <laughs> so for you, it's all about the NBA trying to get Zion in there, and they still can't get in there. <laughs> they can't get him in. <laughs> they just suck. Well, I've always said that about Brandon Ingram, Lonzo. They're just not winning players. Why do we keep getting excited about them? Um, but if you were to fix this play-in, would would it be more fair to you to say that the seventh seed automatically gets in, and it's just like last year, the eight and nine play it out for the eight seed? Would that make more sense? Yeah, that makes much more sense because then you get the extra rest day for that eight seed, um, and then you know, real, you know, realistically you have to beat that team twice. Uh, like Portland, they came and they beat um, they beat the Grizzlies twice. It happened. Like, they can't say it can't happen because it already has. And so if they're a much better team, which Portland was a much better team than the Grizzlies at that time because they the Grizzlies were just hurt uh, with, with injuries. Um, but that's, you know, that they got what they wanted. I don't know why they changed it to include the seventh seed. It didn't make sense. Um, and so you're going to have the exact same amount of days because they you, you played on a back-to-back. So you have – it's still a four-game or four-day span. So I don't understand why they had to change it and add in another team just to kind of make it even more confusing. So I think they go back the way they did. That way the eighth seed, they have to lose two games. and And then you find out realistically, who's the better team as they found that last year that Portland uh, took out Memphis. Yeah, I, I, if it, I think the kind of thing that the NBA and Adam Silver was selling all year, or trying to at least at the beginning of the year, was we know it's a truncated season. We want to be more fair to all those teams. That's why we're giving these two extra slots, you know, potential to actually make the playoffs, which I, I don't know. I... I Sort of get it, and I sort of don't, because if you're going to be trash, you're going to be trash regardless. <laughs> Why yeah. should you be rewarded for going, you know, 
12 games over five under 500, especially in the East and still have a shot for a team that's six games up on you. Like that doesn't really make sense to me. Like that argumentation, like I get it. It's 10 games less, uh, but it's 10 games really going to be a difference between some like the Cavs and the 12 spot, you know, actually being an eight seed or a ninth seed in the playoffs. I don't think so. Um, so I, I just never got why they tried to explain it away like that. Like, yes, it's 10 less games, but it's not like these trash teams that were ninth and 10th and 11th seeds really were going to need those 10 games in a regular 82 game schedule to show that they were deserving of being in the seventh or eighth spot. Like that, that just doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> I don't know if that, I don't know if I'm rambling about that, but I just, that argumentation of that doesn't make sense to me. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, so I kind of understand what you're saying. Like, my, I don't know. I just – none of it makes sense at all because what happens if uh, the 10th seed, uh, let's say the Spurs, you know, they have injuries and they still hold on to that 10th spot, but they're just, you know, ravaged with injuries. Well, they play the Warriors then – <laughs> and the warrior and the warriors are literally they they're they pretty much have a 30 point lead at halftime and they give their guys rest and then now you have a well rested team it's just there's so many factors that can come into it i don't know why they try to get so cute with it uh just to give more people a chance to be in the playoffs it just doesn't make sense so i think i think they're literally just you know and to, to use the term again i think they're just trying to be too cute with getting more people in hmm yeah and, uh, I mean, kind of just looking at the standings, we talked at the top of it about, you know, the Nuggets. Um, and this, of course, seems to break perfectly for LeBron and AD to come back because that would be the first-round matchup is no Murray Nuggets versus the Lakers with right. potential KD, I mean, uh, potential AD and LeBron back. So, I think it's kind of interesting if the Nuggets kind of fall off a little bit. I don't think they'll fall past five. So the Lakers definitely want to stay in that four or five matchup. And I think they'll easily win that series. I mean, I might go six, but then it sets up to be, you know, a second round match with the Jazz that I feel like the Lakers feel comfortable with. So we're talking about this play in and, you know, it's fun to debate and talk about. Um, the playoff picture itself is pretty exciting to me because every night it, it, these standings swing, it feels like, every year. And we think one week it's going to be this matchup and then it's a completely different thing. So we're all watching this anxiously. I'm excited for the playoffs to actually start, hoping that for sure for us that the Grizzlies just win that one game and get in. Uh, because if right. they get Triple J back and somehow get Winslow and go against the Suns, I actually think that would be a pretty interesting and competitive series. Yeah. Um, but do you have any final thoughts? I, I know we're being quick tonight. You got a big uh, rumble room you got to do tonight, so we're going <laughs> to be quick with this. Do you, do you have anything you want to add or to close us yeah, out? Yeah. With? So yeah. So I got a question. Um, I've been kind of been thinking about this. And I, it was kind of uh, – Kevin O'Connor was here uh, in the locker room today, and some people were kind of talking about it. Um, if you look at the Eastern Conference real quick, uh, and I, it shouldn't be too long of a conversation, 
Um, Atlanta and Boston would play right now. Who would you take in that series uh, if they played? Um, and Atlanta would have the home court advantage. Um, who would you take in that series, Atlanta or Boston? I think I'd take Boston. Okay. Just right off so, the top. I know they've been, you know, kind of ho-hum all year, more disappointing than not. Um, but I – I don't think I can immediately start believing in Trey Young and Quint Capella, you know, just right. because they made a nice little run here. Um, yeah. So I would um, go with the Celtics. Yeah, I, I do agree with you. I, that. Here's um, another. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just saying I agree with you. I, I do think I would take the, the Celtics too. Here's the other reason. Uh, I don't know if this was talked about in the room with Kevin O'Connor, but Nate McMillan is their head coach. And I can't tell me how many years I believed in the Pacers to win in the first round as Nate McMillan as their head coach, and they just always fell apart in the end. So am I going to believe that Nate McMillan took over the Hawks, who were faltering all season, and just injecting him, they're going to automatically win a playoff round series in the first round when I've watched Nate McMillan coach teams, you know, maybe come close, but there's definitely some years that they should have definitely advanced and they did not. So there's a couple things going against it. You know, all those guys, most of them mainly is being their first times besides like Gallinari, you know, um, Capella, but Nate McMillan, I'm I'm just not going to start believing in him as a guy who's going to get a team to the second or third round against Brad Stevens and a group of guys who have already done that at a young age. Yeah, no, I agree. So that uh, follow-up question, is this a, um, a underwhelming, is this a disappointing season for the um, for the Atlanta Hawks, even though they will be the fourth seed if, if this was to end? Is this a bad season for them? I don't think so. I think it's higher than what they thought they were going to be. Um, I know they had the expectations before the season of making the playoffs because they spent – all of that money to get, you know, Bogdanovich and Gallo and bring, you know, they trade last year for Capella, but for where they were a month and a half ago to where they are now, I think if they would have stayed on the trajectory that they were 45 to 60 days ago, yes, it's a horrible season for them, but I would have expected it. So, because I think that's how we kind of preseason projected them to be. To be above 500 and in a four seed, I think that's a successful year for them. And even if they do lose in the first round, there's going to be a lot of hype about, oh, first year, new coach came in three quarters of the way through the season. Now we're set. Now we're for real heading into year two. So I think 100% it's a successful year for them. All right. Well, is this their ceiling, though? Is is the fourth place that, team in the Eastern Conference? Is that their ceiling? Probably. <laughs> now that is, I feel <laughs> like they could be together for a few years, but do I really think they're going to take over Seventy Sixers next and the Bucks? No. The only reason no. that it would is if the Nets just completely fell apart, you know, and Kyrie's just like, ah, I'm kind of done. I'm going to go my way. Um, but even then, you still got KD and Harden. But KD, as we've seen, is not going to play a full 72-82 game season now. So it would have to be something like that for me to think that the Hawks are going to actually get in a top three seed. 
I think they're kind of like this was. I was going to say this about the Bulls since they got Vucevic is that now they're the new magic. Um, and the Hawks are kind of like magic y and as an adjective in that <laughs> way to me is where they'll, I think for the next three or four years, the Hawks will be in the four to seven seed annually, like every year. And yeah. it'll just be one of those things like, oh, next year's the year, next year's the year. And then here they are as the sixth seed again. Um, and they get bounced in five games. So, like, that that's kind of how I see them. Um, so I don't know if that projects personally for you, if maybe they should start making moves. Um, but even with the growth of their players, and I know they're missing DeAndre Hunter, and who knows what's going to happen with John Collins. But even if those players – progress and become, you know, something of, you know, regular rotational big players in the NBA. I just do not see it where they're ever above a four seed. I just don't personally anyways. Yeah. I think um, if they, if they have any, like their ceiling is matchup. Um, I, I think getting to the second round, I think that is their ceiling overall. And I'm talking about, not this year or, you know, next – I'm talking about in the next five years. I think getting to the second round is their ceiling. I, I don't think they will they will ever be able to rise above that. No matter what happens, whether it's injuries or whatever, I just don't – I don't believe in this team and how it's constructed. It's too much of the same players, too much of the same style. There's no yen to anybody's yang. There's nothing. And so I just feel like that – would be, I think it is a disappointing season because if you play the Boston Celtics, I believe that the Celtics could easily put them out. And and the Celtics have not played well. But you do have Tatum that can turn it on, I guess, if needed. So I, I believe more in Tatum and Brown and Kimba Walker than I ever would Trey Young. Um, and so I do believe that uh, in the standings, their, their ceiling is fourth place because uh, as as long as KD and Kyrie and all them are going to be in uh, in Brooklyn, uh, there's there's definitely not going over them. Uh, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, they're pretty much signed up. Uh, we know Giannis signed a new contract. He's there for the next five years. He's not going anywhere. You're not going to beat a, a Giannis team as long as he's healthy. Um, and so I believe that this team, even though they're constructed, you know, and they just put all this money in. I just think they just have a lower ceiling than other teams. Um, and so I just – I don't believe in it. I don't like their signings, but I was just curious if you, you know, had the same ideas I did because I do believe that the season's okay, but they, they definitely have a low ceiling. Yeah, here, here's what immediately hit me after I got done talking is a better comparison for them to me is the Brooklyn Nets pre-Kyrie Harden and KD, like with D'Angelo Russell, Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, they were the fun-loving, fun team, but always in the 6th to 8th seed because, I mean, they've just taken advantage of a weird year this year. I mean, you've got Boston, who's been up and down all year. Miami, who's been struggling all year with injuries. They're in 7th. I mean, the Pacers are in ninth. Um, Washington has just had a bad year with Beal being injured a lot. Um, it's not like all those teams are fantastic or anything, but the Hornets – who would have thought the Hornets would be sitting right here? I mean, they were a four or five seed two weeks ago. So, I mean, I like three other, four other teams to be better than them next year. 
So right. when you're talking about four other teams better next year, that's all that's left for them is an eight seed. So yeah. they're, they're just that fun Nets team, you know, before the Nets got serious <laughs> and, you know, got all these players. But I like you're talking about next year. I like Boston, Miami, Charlotte, and the Pacers better than them next year. So you're talking about seventh, seventh or eighth seed for them. Um, and if this playing tournament is going to start being a, an every year kind of thing, I mean, they're, they're destined to be an eight, nine every year. So this has to be considered a success for them because this is as good as it's going to get for them record wise for the next three years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> There's a hot take for you. <laughs> uh, it's very true though. I like it. <laughs> Well, let's wrap up so you can get to your Rumble Room. Do you have anything to plug for us before we go? Uh, yep. So the Grizzlies edition, uh, we are recording this weekend. Uh, I will be with Lauren Gunn with the Mavericks. Uh, and so we are <laughs> that he had. Um, and so we'll discuss that a little bit of the, the clutch time. Uh, but that's really basically it. There, uh, I am about to start writing a new article uh, for the Grizz lead uh, for the lead sports media. Uh, so we're gonna have we're doing an under the under twenty five, and so we're gonna write articles about uh, different players. There's a group of us doing that, so it should be a lot of fun. I'm not sure when it's coming out. I just found out about it while we were uh, recording this episode. So hopefully it'll be coming out in the next couple of weeks. Mm. Um, but that's all I got. Uh, you can follow me at Daniel Greer on Twitter. Um, and so we got a lot of good things coming. Uh, if you, if you ever like, if you like wrestling for some odd reason, we do have a rumble room on the locker room app at eight o'clock, uh, following this show. Uh, so eight o'clock on Thursdays, uh, join us there. Yeah. Um, I am at RD Meadows 11 on Twitter. If you'd like to follow, thanks for tuning in to us. We are here every Thursday at 7 PM. So thanks for tuning in. We're part of the lead sports media. I don't know if we should tease that we're going to start doing. Well, I'll just wait, Daniel. I won't tease what we got coming up or in the works for us. But uh, thanks for tuning in. We will see everyone next week.